Looks like we've got a few people visiting with us this morning. We're glad you're here. Um, thanks for joining us this morning. This probably next 45 minutes or so is our Bible class period where we are studying <coughs> the book of Philippians. So the past three classes, we've talked about Philippians at a high level and said, okay, what are the who, what, when, where, why aspects of Philippians? So uh, how do we really understand the context and the introduction to the class? And in the last two classes, what we've talked about has been the major themes of the book. So uh, what thematically, if you were to say, oh, this phrase keeps popping up, that's probably significant, or all of these little micro points build up to a major point that Paul's trying to talk about, how do we consider what those are? And then our last class, we talked about like maybe a, another way of thinking about themes is just important things to note, like maybe one-off things or things that are really important to understand about the book. Today's class, we're going to put a bow on that and pull all of it together. So we're going to do like a group activity, and in the first 15 minutes, we're just going to read the book. We've been doing that a lot, and I think that's very helpful. Um, it takes about 15 minutes. We're going to read that, and then we're going to have roughly 10 minutes for you to construct your own summary of the book of Philippians. So I've got some pieces of paper and some pens. If you need those, we can grab those when it gets to that. Um, and then you'll construct your own summary. After that, once you've had a chance to gather your thoughts, we'll break up into groups. So maybe split from Jerry and Barry and Teresa's row back, uh, and then have a group up here in the front, and then have this group in the left. And you guys will just share, um, these are the things that stuck out to me about my summary. These are the things I think the book really emphasizes. And it's completely okay if different things stick out to different people. Uh, now, if you say, you know, the creation account of Philippians was really impactful to me, then we'll say, no, you're probably wrong about that. But if you say, hey, you know, I thought fellowship was really emphasized, or, man, this idea of rejoicing really stuck to me in suffering, different people are going to have different things that jump out to them, and we can collectively help each other come to a better understanding through that way. And then with our last... 10 minutes or so, uh, we'll just pull all those summaries together and as a class create a group understanding and summary of Philippians. Next week, we'll be back to your regularly scheduled programming with Adam and he'll be running through like verse by verse of Philippians and we'll, we'll do a deeper dive. So if you have your Bible in front of you, please go ahead and turn to Philippians and we'll just read through this at maybe like 1.25 speed. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, uh, in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers, of the partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel." 
For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that's far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents." This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. So if there's any encouragement in Christ any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross." 
Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I didn't run in vain or labor in vain. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me, And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I've thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him 
and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I don't consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything, if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. 
Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God the Father, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. So now we'll take the next 10 minutes or so, and our assignment is going to be just to write your own summary of what you think the book of Philippians is about. That can be as long or as short as you want. Um, If you need a pen and paper, raise your hand, let me know. We can get that to you. And we'll do that until maybe the next 10 minutes. Okay, so let's take a quick pause. If everybody on this side of the auditorium can maybe like either turn around or slightly stand up and move and just come into a closer portion with each other, that'd be great. If this group from Jerry and Barry on either end can move up here a little bit, uh, everybody in the back can be one big group. We'll take the next eight minutes or so and just share, hey, these are the summaries that we put together. These are maybe like the key things that stuck out to me. And then we'll collectively come back together and construct like a big group summary. So you don't have to share every single thought you had, but as much like brain sharing and brainstorming that we can do would be great. Favorite one. 
don't be anxious, don't worry, think on these things. It's like if you just focus on that, then your life can be good no matter what you're Rejoicing. Yeah. yeah, and it relates to rejoicing, which I think it changes a lot of time in the chapter. Any other? Yeah, anybody can go. Ms. Belinda, what do you think? I saw it overall as a, as, uh, a book of joy, love, and encouragement in the Lord, all to God, all to the glory of God. They also were encouraged to advance the gospel, both directly and indirectly. Um, but a necessary component was their unity, which handles what's her face, <laughs> Syntyche and the other one. <laughs> um, their their unity and peace was a necessary component as well as their pure walk. I think it ties in with unity a little bit. There are a lot of examples of like sacrificing for others. Sacrificing to others, yeah, selflessness. Yeah. Um, you know, just that disposition. Yeah. We, can, we can all do this together. Yeah. And I sacrifice, sacrifice myself. 
also you sacrifice yourself. Yeah. We'll find joy in the things that we can find joy in together. Yeah, that's a great point. And he, he even talks about himself, but he also talks about Epaphroditus. It's like honor of such men. So it's, it's not just him. It's like there's other guys and there's Jesus. Obviously, the, Anybody else have any anything they want to add? Miss Judy, you're being quiet down there. You got anything you want to add? Miss Judy? Okay. Hey, that's good. That's good. I'll mark you off the list. And the contentment was not from external things. Excuse me. Because contentment was not from external things. Because when he was writing this, he was in prison. Right. Even with different things that they had done from the beginning and helping us. He was commending them had a confidence in them that they would continue to do those same things. Okay, so we've got maybe like 10 minutes left. Sorry, I was trying not to interrupt Micah. He was making a good point over there. Um, we've got maybe 10 minutes left. We can just stay where we're at for now. Um, generally speaking, what did you guys come up with as a summary? Did you feel like we were maybe somewhat on the same page? Did different people emphasize different things? I'm curious, does anybody have anything they'd want to share, either an example or an, an excerpt of a summary that they composed or that collectively as a group, this was one of the things we could all agree on was a big aspect of a summary of the book? Allison is being shoved forward in front of the group.
all of that under the subheading of to the glory and praise of God. You can tell Allison is very eloquent, and that's wonderful. But also, um, if you say, hey, I, I don't feel like my summary sounded quite like that, or it sounded different, or I thought different things, that is just as good and just as valuable. Um, but also, thank you for being articulate, because that's really helpful. Anybody else? I'm going to pick on somebody if we don't hear something, because everybody was just talking. So, um, yeah. That maybe like combines very nicely with the previous point of everything being to the glory and praise of God. If our strength and confidence comes from not ourselves, but stuff that God has already done for us, then as we live for him, it's not about us. It's to his praise and to his glory, and we can have a ton of confidence uh, in how to do that. But one of the things that stuck out um, for me personally was... Uh, these instructions of how to walk worthy of the gospel and press on towards the upward call and stand firm in the Lord, these emphasize that the best way to live for Christ is to live like Christ. So if you can have that same attitude and mentality as he had, that is one of the ways that then unlocks how to walk worthy of the gospel. Um, we've got like five minutes left, maybe a couple more points, and then we'll, we'll talk about like why... Summaries are important. Yeah, Jacob. Um, kind of look at this as a, almost like an umbrella of the unity of the brethren and being united in Christ. Um, and the need for that because of uh, perhaps internal forces that are uh, threatening that unity or external forces, um, but all centered around being united in Christ and focusing on Christ and looking at his example. And then underneath that, um, all of these character traits of how to live our lives and how we want to live our lives, um, realizing who we're called to be and realizing the great hope that we all have and can have and can enjoy because of Jesus um, and just this onward and upward um, mindset of we're all in this together and we're all pressing towards being united with him again ultimately uh, one day. So maybe to try and distill all that into like a tweet that one of the ways to be united in Christ is for everybody to live lives that are centered in Christ. Yeah. Okay, maybe one more. Oh, sorry, I was totally missing Julie. And Julie's pointing to Karen. Okay. <laughs> we'll ping pong it. Yeah, Karen. Two, then they have to 
summary points, and this makes sense because we're all studying the same text, you could pull it all together in one of the book is about the glory and praise of God and that in order to be united in Christ, we have to be centered around Christ, and we can do that because our strength and our confidence comes from him, and then that leads us and pushes us into a partnership and fellowship with each other because of the gracious gift of Jesus, and that gives us reasons to work and suffer together, share our money, and that produces fruit, which spins back up and is all to the glory and praise of God. Like, do you see how collectively all of these points are pointing towards the same thing? The reason why um, understanding a summary and being able to say, hey, like, what is that book about, like, roughly, is because if you understand the framework for the book, you'll be able to understand the finer points for the book. And we're going to go through with more of a fine-tooth comb into the other chapters and understand things like how are the Philippians his joy and crown? And what does that mean for types of relationships that we're supposed to have today? And how do we understand that? And that can be something that is difficult to understand perhaps, but it makes more sense if we can summarize the book. The other component to that is like if you meet someone who is struggling or is in a trial, you now know like, oh, Philippians is a book about rejoicing and going through trials and how to do that. And like I can point someone to Philippians or I can share an aspect of Philippians in that message with someone. But it's hard to do that if you don't know like how do I concisely talk about what Philippians is about. So that will prep us for the rest of this class where we'll go through in more detail. And I'll be curious to hear if our summaries maybe sound a little bit different or just more complete if we do this again at the end of the book after we've studied it for several more weeks. So thank you guys, and uh, we will dig in further next week.